Ladies and gentlemen, live from our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area, the following program is produced with an artistic vengeance by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. I'm the legendary Burl Bear, Mark C.G. Boyer, fact checker. Hello. On the phone, John Wesley Anderson, retired homicide detective and well-known uh, Colorado history expert. How you doing, John? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, it is Thank a you. pleasure and a delight because we want to know how who, who's been barking up the wrong tree on this one after the parents all this time. Well, Lou hasn't solved the case. What he did do was uh, eliminate beyond any reasonable doubt that any member of the Ramsey family was involved in the murder. Whoa, that's an accomplishment in itself. It's huge. And then the second thing that we hope to accomplish with the book is to communicate the idea that this case is still solvable. There are a host of potential persons of interest, and the DNA that was left at the scene, although not, maybe not perfect, is still viable enough to eliminate people. Right. Well, just before you called in, uh, and I would go through it again, or you could go through it, is for those people who aren't familiar with the case, if you would be kind enough to set the scene of that Christmas night, or Christmas Eve night, whichever it was, and bring us, shall we say, up to speed on where where you come in with the book, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to. The, the, the first um, notification of the crime was December 26 of 1996 at 5.52 a.m. when uh, the 911 call was um, made from John Benet, the victim's mother, Patsy Ramsey, to the Boulder Police Department, Boulder, Colorado, reporting a kidnap. That call only lasts about a minute and 15 seconds, but it becomes one of the most heavily scrutinized emergency 911 calls ever. And a lot of people speculated from that initial call that this was not a, a, a legitimate uh, kidnapping. And uh, almost immediately, the focus of the police fell upon uh, the parents of John Benet. And that's one of the real tragedies in this case, is that they were treated and have been for the last quarter century, the family, as suspects were in fact their co-victims of this horrible crime. And the evidence of, of that was um, uh, became apparent to Lou Smith, who was my former detective partner with the Colorado Springs Police Department and one of my best friends. And he had been hired by the Boulder District Attorney, Alex Hunter, three months after the murder, to come in to help assist in the investigation. And almost immediately, Lou shared with me and others how what was being reported to the media and the public was not true. There was forced entry, despite what the police had said. There was speculation that there was somebody in the home because there was no footprints in the snow. However, on the south side of the house, there was no snow, and that's where Lou had found a window that had been previously broken standing open. Hmm. The handwritten um, note was left on the bottom step of a spiral case. It was found by Patsy Ramsey that morning. When the first police officer arrived at the scene, she handed him the note, 
and there was a series of um, missteps made by the police from that very first moment when they stepped on to the property. They did not seal the home to take that notice. Mm. And worse, they did not find the victim's body that was um, in the basement in uh, a room that they referred to, they being the parents, as the wine cellar. Although there is no wine in the cellar, that's just what that room was referred to. And Lou uh, spent the next 18 months with the district attorney's Lansy task force trying to draw the attention to um, this potential intruder who had picked the parents. Lou resigned in protest and for the rest of his life, until he passed away in 2010, he continued to investigate the case on his own time and at his own expense. Wow. Where I come in was in 2010, when Lou passed away, his family and a handful of retired detectives, to include me, committed to finishing Lou's work if we could. So for the last 12 years, what our team has been doing is trying to collect and test DNA from persons of interest left on Lou Smith's list. Mm. It's, it's slow. One of the biggest challenges, is, and Lou found this out too, is as a former law enforcement um, a professional with 30 years in, in experience, uh, trying to investigate a, um, a case from the outside looking in is extremely difficult. We have no law enforcement authority. We can't um, execute search warrants or court orders. We don't have any access to uh, police uh, databases. So, so our ability to contact people, obtain DNA either with their consent or, or not surreptitiously is really slow. We also have to go through the expense of independently testing and paying for the lab analysis. And um, it's, 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 it's moving forward. We are making progress, but it's a very slow process. Now, but, well, here's but a question I have for you right here. Go ahead. You're having, to, you're having to pick up all the costs on this. Yeah, but this is we, still an open case, so why isn't the police department at least cooperating as far as paying some of the bills? Well, uh, that's a, a great question, and it's one that we've suggested that these uh, people of interest that they should be looking at, some, some perhaps they have, that did not get their DNA and did not test the DNA. And I think the biggest problem, to be perfectly blunt, is the investigators right from that first day have fixated on John Bonet's parents as uh, the lead suspects. Uh. And the evidence of that was on the uh, very first lab reports that the Boulder detectives submit to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, CBI, for analysis. And at the top of the um, uh, lab form is filled in the offense that says homicide, willful kill, slash family. Below that, it lists suspect's name, uh, Patsy and John Ramsey. Below that, it lists the victim's name, John Benet Ramsey. Within three weeks of that um, DNA um, evidence being submitted, um, DNA came back from the little girl's clothing and her body that eliminated the entire Ramsey family. 
That was never communicated. Yeah, I was going to say, I never there. heard that. All, we, all no. I ever got was, they don't cry enough on television. Yeah, exactly. There was speculation that, well, they just don't act right. Well, how is a person supposed to act when their six-year-old child has been violently murdered and the police think you did it? And that's been part of the um, tragedy the last 26 years. Jeez, I mean, that is, a, that is a nightmare on top of a nightmare. Oh, that's well said, yes. I always felt so sorry for those people because I never believed that they did it. I just thought it was absurd. Oh. This trial by talk show nonsense. Just yes, yeah. And I, and I have been in a uh, unique position where um, when the case first happened, I was uh, the sheriff of El Paso County, Colorado. Not only had I known Lou um, since I was 18 years old, but he had um, come to work for me when I became the sheriff and uh, solved one of the uh, most violent kidnap murders in our county, uh, the murder of Heather Don Church, and it was a cold case of a 13-year-old girl who had been abducted from her home. And uh, four years later, when I ran for sure, the case was languishing. And what Lou did when he came to work for me as the sheriff and took over that investigation was reevaluate all of the physical evidence and was able to match an unidentified latent fingerprint from a point of window, a point of entry on a window pane that led into the mother's bedroom that the window had been left cracked for ventilation purposes. And Lou was not only able to use his team to identify the killer, Robert Charles Brown, who lived uh, just a short distance from where the victim's residence was, but his team was eventually able to clear a second homicide from Colorado Springs that was also a cold case. And that killer pled guilty to two life sentences we did have to give up the death penalty, but that was the wish of the parents as, as well. But it did secure a conviction on two life sentences, and that suspect eventually, play, or eventually confessed to 49 murders, which, if true, would make him one of the most prolific killers in American history. But it was Lou Smith's investigative talent, along with his team, that broke that case wide open. So part of the purpose of the book is to uh, communicate the idea that Lou was really not only a legendary detective, as the title implies, but he was also one of the most experienced homicide detectives in, in Colorado, in, in, including working and in solving cold kidnapped cases. Mm. And um, so what I decided was after... Lou had passed away, and our team had um, evolved to the point that we had originally operated kind of in the shadows without much publicity. But the decision was made after about eight or nine years that we might be more productive if we came out with our efforts, since it seemed like the police were not willing to move forward in looking at any of the other persons of interest that Lou had identified. And so we did establish a GoFundMe page, which, by the way, does allow, um, instead of us having to pay our own expenses, 
we're able to get reimbursed for travel, and we do pay for the DNA lab analysis through the donations that are made into our GoFundMe page. So at least we've made some progress that way. But our team has eliminated over a dozen persons of interest through the, the DNA analysis that we're doing independently, which could have easily been, or not easily, they could have um, uh, been done by the Boulder police who seem reluctant to pursue any uh, leads outside of the Ramsey family. So hopefully the book will turn that around. Uh, it would be nice if you could petition the Boulder City Council or whatever it is, the uh, governmental body that does the allocation of budgets. Uh, the beings that you're doing the work of the Boulder Police Department, perhaps we should get their budget. <laughs> that, that's, that's a good point. What, one of the issues that did come up um, recently, December 6th of, of last year, was through the Boulder Citizens Review Committee, which found um, and made a, uh, a public media release to this effect that an internal investigation disclosed that five members of the um, investigations division had not been investigating or thoroughly investigating their cases, and they were disciplined. One of those people was the commander of the investigations division, and he had been at the crime scene as a detective in 1996 and now had been promoted through the ranks to where in beginning of December of 2022 was the detective commander in charge of the investigation. That uh, Citizens Review panel uh, recommended um, a termination for all five oh, of boy. the officers. But uh, so, so there's obviously much more to this than what has come out publicly. The police chief um, uh, disciplined all five um, officers to include Trujillo, who was not demoted. But he was um, uh, transferred to Midnight's in patrol and given a three-day um, suspension without pay. Oh, three days. Oh. That's a rough one. Yeah, so one, one good thing is we hope that there is a new slate of detectives and supervisors with Boulder Police. And maybe what this book helps do is them to get their arms around this investigation from the lens of a career homicide detective, Lou Smith. I think one of the biggest challenges, and we met twice with the Boulder Police detectives, but I think is just the complexity of investigation. It has over 100,000 pages in the police report and just trying to um, search uh, for information and material is, is um, really complicated. And that's one of the things that Lou left behind with his family, his estate, was his, um, uh, his entire computer, which contained his um, uh, three, uh, 632 slides for his slide presentation, which laid out all the evidence. And then he also had prepared a massive spreadsheet that had 883 entries divided into three tiers with people of interest in the top tier who needed to be looked at. He also had uh, notes uh, uh, on the slide presentation, or on his uh, spreadsheet that said this person needs to be investigated further. So when he passed away, he left us really his legacy 
which allows um, us, you know, to review his notes, the case file, and extract information really within seconds. It's an extraordinary it was piece of work. Marvelous of him to do that. He was. Yeah, he we knew he he was on borrowed time, and uh, he intentionally organized the case file to where someday. I don't think he realized it'd take 12 years for this to happen, but uh, that somebody would be able to use the, the, his notes, what he has compiled, and hopefully, again, not only identify the killer, but um, uh, uh, help eliminate the parents as, as a potential suspects or any member of the Ramsey family. Now, is the members of the Ramsey family still alive? Yes, Patsy passed away four years after the murder uh, to cancer. She had battled cancer. Cancer was in remission when the murder happened, but it came back with a vengeance, and I'm sure part of that was stress-related. Right. But um, uh, she passed away. The father, John Ramsey, is still um, alive, very viable. I talked to him or email. I saw him last year. He was one of the keynote speakers at the CrimeCon 2022 convention in Las Vegas. And his uh, oldest son, John Benet's uh, half-brother, John Andrew Ramsey, is still very active in trying to uh, solve this case, our team, our Smith family team, communicate with this, the, the John Benet's half-brother, John Andrew Ramsey, uh, frequently, and we're, we constantly exchange information. We're not working for the Ramseys. We don't get paid mm-hmm. for our work, but again, we are in a position, finally, where we are reimbursed for expenses. Well, it's incredible, the amount of dedication to solving this crime. It's like, I mean, it, it doesn't I mean, it is kind of absurd, as I'm sure you realize, the very fact that you're doing it and not the police. I mean, it's, it is that's just mind-boggling. So right. Like, well, if the cops yeah, won't do it, we will, because we have experience and they don't, or they don't want to experience right. having the experience. Right. Maybe they don't the have police a. Department yeah. Get maybe, overwhelmed. Yeah. Maybe they yeah, don't have only, a uh, cold case division that thinks the right. case is worthy of their time. Well, yeah, I think they are so, you know, just insistent that it's a family member that they're not willing or able to get away from that. So I don't know if they just don't know about the early DNA reports, but what Lou's dying wish was when he was in hospice that he shared not only with me, but with his family and with other retired detectives was that this case of the John Benet Ramsey investigation didn't die with him. So his dying wish, in, uh, literally on his deathbed, was for this case to continue. He had no confidence Boulder police would solve it or continue even looking at the possibility of it being anyone other than a Ramsey family member. And so, in a way, although we have not solved the case, I think um, uh, we've made progress in what in, in what Lou's dying wish was. The case is continuing. Well, you know, the very fact that you continued it uh, is most praiseworthy. Yes. Yeah, and it's not just me, it's a team. He has uh, four children and, and other uh, detective partners who just love Lou dearly, and um, we try to follow what we know he would have done and continue working it until the, the very end. He just, he just ran out of, of time. 
Yeah. Time's the only thing we have, and none of us know how much. (laughs) Well, if we're we're talking about you, Burley, probably 10 minutes. It could be any minute, yeah. Yeah. Well, if it could be any minute for any of us, his life has shown. You never know. So there, uh, other than the parents, there have been a lot of theories, documentaries, and books. What are some of the other theories of the crime, and uh, what has your research shown about those theories? Well, there's really two camps. There's one that the Ramseys did it, and I think that's the prevailing um, majority of people who got their information predominantly through the media or, or misinformation or disinformation that was coming from the Boulder police. The other camp is um, the intruder theory, and that was loose theory, and that's the prevailing theory. And I think what's happening over the last several years, two or three years, is that that um, transition is starting to happen where a larger percentage of the people who thought the Ramseys did it were, are beginning now to question that. And I think what the book does is reveal the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that the Ramseys were not involved and exposes some of the lab analysis on the DNA in particular that was there all along, such as the... Um, DNA that was found in 2008 on John Bonet's uh, long johns that she was wearing for underwear. That the DNA there matches, it's an unknown male, possibly Caucasian, but it matches what the DNA um, that was found on her underwear as well as under her fingernails. One of the other things that Lou had uh, theorized was that a spin gun had been used on DNA, uh, on John Bonet uh, twice. Hmm. Once on the right side of her jaw and once on her back. And the reason why that's so critical is uh, because the um, Ramseys never owned a stun gun. There wasn't one found at the crime scene. There also, by the way, was not any duct tape. John Bonet's mouth was found duct tape. And her wrist in uh, the galat that was used to kill her was um, assembled using para- um, parachute cord. It's called Paracord 550. But there was no masking tape. There was no parachute cord ever found in the Ramsey's home or at the crime scene. So those were, were three items that the killer had were brought in to the house in what appears to be a suicide, or not suicide, excuse me, a ransom kit, and then that corroborates, as Lou said, what the ransom demand was with the note, and also another um, foreign object uh, evidence at the scene was a boot print of the um, make the manufacturer was high-tech, uh, HI-TEC, and that boot print was found in the basement in the wine cellar next to John Bonet's body, and according to the early work that was done, uh, none of the uh, police officers or crime lab or any of the family or any of the um, neighbors that traveled through the crime scene were wearing high-tech boots, so we believe the killer had left that boot print behind as well, but we knew that the um, uh, key that would catch the killer would be the, the DNA. I might also mention why uh, um, your your uh, listeners, um, if they are interested in looking at some of Lou's slides that he put together on the case, 
in my book are 36 slides that um, uh, show the evidence in, these are his slides, um, and it talks about the different evidence um, at 36 out of 632 slides. But if uh, listeners want to go to my publisher's website, wildbluepress.com, that's wildbluepress.com, there's a photo gallery with 20 additional slides that Lou had prepared that are in color. The ones in the, in the book are in black and white, but these uh, 20 slides that are available now on, on the photo gallery on that website um, walk people through that crime scene. One of the most critical things that it points out is the uh, stun gun marks that were on John Bonet's back. And Lou was the first one to theorize that that was a stun gun injury. And that was completely overlooked by the police who came up with some wild theories that it looked like maybe a button that somebody had laid on a button or some goofy thing. Um, but um, when you look at those stun gun wounds on the slides, you realize that Lou was also right about that. Those slides end with another um, uh, very important piece of physical evidence that Lou um, pointed out and spent a lot of time, and that some people speculate, well, Patsy wrote the note. Well, no, she did not. There may have been an early uh, forensic examiner who said something to the effect that, well, we can rule out Burke Ramsey as being the author of the note. We can rule out John Ramsey. But we can't rule out Patsy. And that got turned around to being, well, Patsy may have written the note. And that got turned around through um, just misinterpretation. Well, Patsy wrote the note. Well, in Lou's um, case file, he found five forensic examiners who looked at uh, the handwriting analysis. Three said, well, you know, we can't really, you know, tell if she wrote it or not. One says it's not likely. But there's another one, uh, a forensic examiner, a sixth examiner, who Lou identifies, and his name, background information is in that, in that slide package. Mm-hmm. And um, he is an experienced, was, I'm sure he's retired now, a forensic handwriting examiner with the U.S. Circus, uh, Secret Service. And his determination was Patsy Ramsey was not the author of the ransom note. Now, also in Lou's notes, and this is a fact that gets missed, is uh, the Ramseys were extremely um, uh, cooperative with the police. They gave their DNA, handwriting, um, had their uh, pubic hair samples. So, so how much more cooperative could they possibly be? But they were concerned of taking a polygraph by somebody from the police department because the police seemed to be out to get them. So, so one of the, the facts that Lou uh, relied very heavily on is that the, the Ramseys, John and Patsy, both took polygraphs, both passed polygraphs, included in the examination, where the questions, do you know who killed John Bonet? No, and that and that and they passed that. But with Patsy, she was asked a specific question, did you write the ransom note? And she said no, and she passed that test. Now, that uh, examiner, was what Dr. Glebe, one of the foremost experts um, in polygraph examinations in the country. He taught um, the FBI instructors how to, how to administer mm-hmm. proper um, uh, polygraphs. In addition, 
Lou found another leading expert, uh, Baxter Cleave, who, who uh, is recognized as one of the fathers of uh, 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 advanced um, polygraph operations and analysis. And he looked at the uh, results of both of those examinations, and he validated the test that both Ramses passed it. Now, why that's important is some people, you know, will say, well, polygraphs aren't admissible in court. But had uh, the Ramses failed those polygraphs, people would be quick to say, oh, see, we knew they were guilty all along. Right, right. But when you have physical evidence, like the handwriting, that's validated by an expert, like this leading expert with the Secret Service who said Patsy did not authorize uh, author that note. And then you have a polygraph examination that she is with one of the leading experts in the world who says she passed the test and we asked the question, did you author that note? Now that information has not been um, revealed in a, in a logical, sequential manner with the other physical evidence and that's why we felt this book was really important to come out now. Well, I think it really is important, and I think everyone who reads it is going to agree. And I think the critics are going to agree. Whether or not the Boulder Police Department is excited about it is irrelevant. And I'm very disappointed that they aren't. Uh, God, just, I don't know if you remember the, the, the case or not, but we had the guy on the show. He went to work for a police department. The chief of police says to him, hey, listen, we're getting a lot of flack about this one particular case, uh, people think that we railroaded these uh, guys and they're in prison and they're innocent. You take a look uh, look it over, make sure we did everything right. So he looks it over, goes to the chief and says, no, you didn't do everything right, you did everything wrong. And it certainly looks like these guys were railroaded to prison and they're totally innocent of this homicide. Yes. So chief of police said, shut up. <laughs> sit down and shut up. <laughs> but the guy did not sit down and shut up. He championed yeah, getting those innocent people out of prison. Right. And the payment and that for that. But several Boulder police chiefs, to include the current chief, who wouldn't even um, return my phone calls or emails, refused to uh, meet with our team, and uh, either, either, you know, they're, they're, they just don't want to be embarrassed, they don't want to admit they're wrong, they're convinced. That's they're, not their job description. They're supposed to solve the cases. Yeah, but they're, they're still human, bro. Yeah. What's the yeah, name of the book? I'm human, too, but it just pisses me off. Yeah. Uh, the book. Yeah, the the book. The book. Buy the book. Lou Jean-Benet Ramsey. The uh, Big Off, Big Long subtitle from Wild Blue Press. Buy it. Read it. Believe it. Believe it. Thanks for coming. Sorry Thank for the show. So trouble. much. Pleasure having you on the show. We'll have you on again. Hey, Bob. Yeah. What's next?